This is Emmanuel God with us, the radio ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. Good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us for worship today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Due to my office as a called and ordained servant of God's word, it is my honor to say to you, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From Matthew 24, we read verses 3 through 8. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then we move one chapter ahead to Matthew 25, beginning at the 31st verse. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Sometimes it seems like a burden that to be a believer, to be one who professes faith in God and faith in Christ and what Christ did, it causes us to also have to believe in things that just seem unbelievable, like the end of the world. Like everything that we use to define ourselves, to define our experience, to define our past and our future, everything's going to go away. It is difficult sometimes to accept that, yep, we Christians understand that the universe, all of it, has a shelf life. And someday that shelf life will run out. Well, Jesus was trying in his last week on earth in Jerusalem, in his various public presentations, was trying to point that out to people and having an understandably difficult time getting people to understand exactly what he meant. And so we heard in Matthew 24 that Jesus was in the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is across the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem, roughly at the same height as the temple on the other side of the valley. And it's a nice, quiet place, not easy to get to, so it was usually pretty empty. And Jesus was there with his disciples. He was going to be there with them later this week when it wasn't such a pleasant experience. But this was a private meeting, and Jesus did speak to the disciples differently than he spoke to the crowds, and he gave them the freedom to ask questions, and generally he answered them. Well, here they are, Jesus and the disciples, sitting around comfortably on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples referred to Jesus many references to the end of the world, to his coming again, to the end of the age. And they asked two very logical questions. Jesus, when? And what signs can we look for that'll show us that it's coming? And as often happens, Jesus did not comment on the silliness of their question, but instead he, instead, he answered the question they should have asked. And his answer began this way. Don't be fooled. What I told you is going to happen is going to happen. But before that takes place, many false Christs are going to appear. Probably at this time, it's good to remember 
Christ is not Jesus' name. His name is Jesus, but he was the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah that was promised all through the Old Testament. Well, a lot of people are going to come, Jesus said, and claim to be that promised one. They are not, obviously, but they're going to fool a lot of people. Don't you be fooled. And then Jesus said to the disciples something that he very rarely admitted in, in such stark terms. He said, I am the Christ. He used all sorts of other terms, particularly in Matthew. We hear him constantly referring to himself as the Son of Man, which is a messianic term, but it comes all the way back in Daniel's day, and it wasn't used very often. And Jesus just didn't want to light up his opposition and give them uh, an easy way to attack him for blasphemy. So he almost never consciously said, I am the Christ, but here to his disciples in private on the Mount of Olives, he said those very words. But when he said, don't be fooled, he also meant, don't be fooled by all of the other stuff that some people are going to tell you are a sign of the end of the age. Wars. Wars are terrible. Wars shouldn't happen, but they do. Rumors of wars are sometimes used to, to motivate people. But Jesus says, don't be fooled. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdoms will rise against kingdoms because sinful humans are sinful. It's going to happen. Don't be fooled by that. That is not, those things are not a sign of the end. Jesus said such things must happen. Meaning in a sinful world populated by weak sinful people, you're going to have that kind of conflict. Don't be surprised. You've always had it. And you always will. What about natural disasters? What about earthquakes and floods? What about pandemics? And Jesus said, no, don't be fooled by those either. Those things are going to occur. That's, that's part of the, the natural rhythm of life in a world gone bad, gone bad because of the presence of sin. But then Jesus said something really strange. He said, those things... When you see them are the beginning of birth pains. They're the beginning of that process that a woman must go through in order to produce new life. The gift, the wonderful gift of new life begins in pain. Jesus said, that's what all this other stuff is. The beginning of birth pains. But when you see all this stuff, wars, rumors of wars, false Christ, natural disasters, he said, all that means is that the end of the earth story is near. Now, he said this more than 2,000 years ago. I challenge you to find a day in the 2,000 years that have gone by since Jesus spoke and since we read his words this morning. Find a day when all of those conditions weren't right there in place. False Christ. Wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, the, the in, incredibly inhuman way people can treat one another, the lies that abound and sometimes disguise themselves as truth. So when 
might it be? What did Jesus actually answer the disciples who asked him, when is it coming? And he said, any day now. That was 2,000 years ago. What's the answer that we need to hear today? Any day now. Could be tomorrow. Any day. Jesus said, don't be fooled. The The process is just the beginning of the end. The beginning of the fulfillment of God's plan. But God's plan has some requirements. How many of you remember, and I have forgotten the gentleman's name, but a, a missionary with Lutheran Bible translators, along with uh, a, uh, I think it was a Liberian national, was here at Emmanuel. This was 20 years ago or more, and we provided them workspace to work on their process of translating the Bible. And when he and I once sat down and talked about this passage and passages like this, he constantly went back to one phrase that occurs a little bit later in Matthew 25. He said, when the gospel is preached to all the world, then the end can come. And his thought was, well, as we get electronically more advanced, maybe that day is approaching. Not that all the world becomes Christian because we're just too far lost for that. But that all the world has the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus, to hear the message of the gospel. When that day comes, it hasn't come yet, but when that day comes, then virtually everything that the scripture says is a pre-requirement for Jesus' return to happen. Then everything will be in place. That was an interesting thought, and he, you know, he lived halfway around the world in a foreign country, working at making the gospel available to people that, up until he and his firm began to work on it, didn't even have a written language. He was very insistent on that, and he always, that always struck with me. So, those two questions. When will the end of the age come? Any day now. What signs? We've always had all of the signs except that one. That one where God says, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to have heard the gospel. Now we move to Matthew 25. This is Jesus talking about, if you want to know what's going to happen on that last day, here are some of the highlights. The Son of Man comes in his glory. Notice Jesus calls himself, again, the Son of Man. But he comes in his glory. And Jesus says this, sitting in front of a group of people in Jerusalem, Jesus, a Galilean, uh, a foreigner, really, to the big city ways of Jerusalem, a hillbilly from up in Nazareth. But here he's coming in glory. And the angels are with him. And what he does first and that first is important, is he separates all the nations of the world by individually, putting some either into the category of the sheep on his right or the goats on his left. Would be very bad for the preacher to knock the cross over. I want to be careful with that. Now, you need to understand something that we might not understand here in Idaho, that Palestinian sheep 
are always white, and Syrian goats are always black. So that when separating the people that way, at least from Jesus' point of view, this is not a tough choice to make. This is not difficult. People on his right, people on his left. Sheep, goats, white, black. Simple choice. And the fact that they were on his right, remember he has come in glory. And what do we confess, and we'll do it again today, in the Apostles' Creed. What happened to Jesus after his ascension? He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, a place of power and authority and rightful power and rightful authority. And Jesus says, now on my right will be those people who for the sake of this metaphor we will call my sheep. And he says to those people, to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why are they sheep? It has nothing to do with what they have done or who they are. It is a blessing that God gave them. When did God give you that blessing? I have the privilege on the 6th of December to be preaching out at Eden, and I have the privilege to baptize uh, two six-year-old twins because my son, my youngest, married their mother. And now they call him dad, and he calls them his kids, and they're to be baptized at Eden. And it's a especially big day for me because it was at Eden during my time of... Uh, serving that vacancy out there, that I baptized my grandson, my only grandchild, Luke. And Luke, I hope, is able to be there with us at Eden on that day. That's when they, Luke, four years ago, and Jacob and Abby on December the 6th, that's when they were blessed by the Father by having the seed of faith planted in them. Blessings had to continue. They had to have faithful parents who would continue to nurture the child in the faith, but they were blessed by my father. And they will be in that group of sheep on Jesus' right hand. Not because they're cute, they are, but because they were blessed by the father. And we will be there, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done and how he gave us Christ's victory as our own victory through the gift of faith. Now, there's another speech that's going to happen on the last day, and this is to the goats, the people on the left. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There was a new thought in there for me. I just had never thought of it that way. Why is hell the way it is, whatever way it is. Because that's what Lucifer and all the fallen angels deserved. That's where the people who refused to be blessed by the Father will go. They will be with their leaders in the hell prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, that's the judgment. That is 
the great heavenly judge announcing the verdict to all the people of the world. But, and especially if you listen to scripture reading with Lutheran ears, you have a question. What about all the rest of that that Matthew 25 talked about? What about this speech about the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the prisoner? What about taking care of them? And that's what Jesus says to these folks on the right. But I ask you to remember what happened first. The division. All of that stuff is kind of a a sign that Jesus wants us to note as we prepare for the end of the world. Because every time Jesus talks about doing something for someone who is in, in distress, who is hungry, thirsty, naked, whatever, Jesus says, you've done this for me. Your motivation in reaching out to people who need your help and then helping them You've done because of some change I've made in you when I blessed you with the gift of faith. Now, it doesn't mean that people who don't believe can't do nice things. Of course they do. I know an image I've always used was, uh, it, this doesn't actually exist, but since it's placed in Chicago, it could have. That would be the... Uh, Alphonse Capone wing of a general hospital. Could Al Capone have given money to build a hospital and, and cure people and make their lives better? Sure he could have. Why would he have done it? Well, you can answer that question. People can do nice things, but not doing nice things, whether you're a goat or a sheep, that's not what brings you to heaven. What brings you to heaven is, are you connected with the fact that God died for you. And then he rose. So that when you die, you will rise as well. Is eternal life based on good works? No. But here Jesus says, one of the ways that you can look personally for your own future when the last day comes, are you motivated by my presence in your heart and in your mind to help people when they need help? Or are you just too comfortable turning your back to them? Too comfortable because, oh, that might be a little difficult, and maybe they don't really deserve it, and all those other excuses we use not to help people. Jesus said, now, be aware of that. When you do something wonderful, that's not going to get you to heaven, but you've come because heaven is in you already. That's why you've done those things. Unbelievers can show compassion, they can show charity, but Jesus said to the sheep, you did this for me. And to the goats, he says, you did not do these things for me. Why? You had me. You rejected me. That's the basis of judgment on the last day. We don't know when it'll come. We're not really sure what signs will indicate to us that, oh, it's almost here. As a matter of fact, the Bible almost says just the opposite. It almost says as soon as you are sure you know when the last day is coming, you know you're wrong because it comes as a thief in the night. It'll come as a surprise. Could it come today, tomorrow, 
Yeah. Could it have come the day after Jesus spoke these words in the Mount of Olives? Yeah. It could come any time. We need to be aware that that's who we are. That's where we live. That's the situation into which we were born and from which we will die. So judgment day could be any time. But the basis of judgment is, are we connected with God's effort to save us, with the gift of his son, with his life and death and resurrection, and with the gift of faith, which is the gift that God uses to give us the gift of Jesus, which then gives us the gift of forgiveness of sins for right now and the promise of heaven forever. The end of the world is a wonderful promise for believers and a mysterious, not understandable threat to those who will not believe. The difference is Jesus. Know him. Believe him. Love him. And understand the changes that he has made in you right now, in this life, on this earth. And understand that he made those changes so that you can help this life, this earth. Celebrate as we live through this last Sunday of the church year. Celebrate the wonderful reward of your faith in heaven. It's a gift that will last forever. Don't know when finally we'll get the entire gift. For us, first probably comes death, then comes Jesus' return. Unless he comes tomorrow. Could be any day. But remember that that is the gift. That is the motivation. That is what moves us to be the kind of people that try to make the here and now a little better. Because we know the then and there is going to be perfect. Amen. In this week, when we are going to celebrate a national day of Thanksgiving, there's much to be thankful for in the prayer requests that we've received, but there are also reminders of where we live and what it's like here. There are people who suffer tragedies and upcoming events that are a little bit scary and threatening. And so we want to remember all of them. So I ask you to hang on to the prayer list, add a couple of names that I will add in this list, and include these people in your prayers so that they too might know that their brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as their God in heaven, is with them in whatever circumstance they find themselves. For all those that you know that ought to be in your prayers, please place them there on this week and find a way in every prayer to see that it is appropriate for thanksgiving. Let us pray. Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you for the abundant mercy that you have so richly provided us, blessing us not only with daily bread for our bodies, but also with heavenly food for our souls. Grant that your living and powerful word might abide in our hearts, might work in us to your glory, 
and work for our salvation. We commit ourselves to your divine protection and to your fatherly care. Let your holy angels be with us, that the evil foe may have no power over us. Look in mercy on your church and deliver it from all danger and adversities. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, comfort and strengthen all who are in sorrow, mourning, affliction, or distress, and grant your abiding peace to us all. To all those who face hospitalization or who are hospitalized, let your hand of blessing be evident in the skills and care of medical professionals as they work their wonderful skills on our behalf. Grant your abiding peace to all of us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. And now may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine on us and be gracious to us. May the Lord look upon us with his favor. And may he give us his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel God With Us, the radio ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.